the hamburger was popularized at the 1904 World's Fair in St. Louis. Let's get it going. Hey everybody, welcome to a brand new episode of Old Man Brad. This week I got a very special episode for you. I have an interview with Ricky Glore. He is the co-director and co-writer of All Your Friends Are Dead, along with Nicholas Hyantz, and also the star of All Your Friends Are Dead, and also an upcoming film called Sweet Meats. I'm pretty excited for this interview. Ricky and I had a great discussion. We will jump into that soon. Before we head over there, I want to say come out to the Esquire on September 15th. I'm going to be hosting Frightful Fridays. And this month, we will be showing Satanic Hispanics. It is a horror anthology film that is coming out. It features stories from directors Mike Mendez, Eduardo Sanchez, who you may know from Blair Witch, Gigi Saul Guerrero, who you might know from Bingo Night, Damien Rugna, if you've seen the movie Terrified, he is the director of that, Alejandro Bruguez, who is the director of One of the Dead, So excited for this screening. It's going to be so much fun. Make sure you come out to the Esquire September 15th. All right, now's the time. Let's move into my talk with Ricky Glore. And we talk all things, all your friends are dead. And we talk about sweet meats. Hope you enjoy. And I'll talk to you on the other side. Hey, everybody. I am here with Ricky Glore, the writer, director, producer, the star, the everything from the film All Your Friends Are Dead. How are you doing today, Ricky? I'm awesome. Thank you for having me on. It's funny. I made that joke right before we went live. And as you were saying it, I was like, if my filming partner, Nick Hyans, who co-directed and kind of co-wrote All Your Friends Are Dead, hears this, which he won't. Um, <laughs> He's going to be like, hey, man. What about yeah. me? Hey, hey, oh, so you did everything? You did everything? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I remember me being there a couple times. Well, and and Nicholas, too. That way, if Nicholas, if, if yeah. you're listening, you get your due, too. Now I'm going to tell him, yeah, because every now and then when I've, he never wants to be, I am the, I am the front man all the time. He is definitely behind the scenes, wants to edit, wants to be cinematography, uh, DP, blah, blah, blah. He did one of the um, interviews we did before All Your Friends Are Dead came out, and I almost saw him crying because he was just so uncomfortable (laughs) with just sitting there, like, talking about himself and acting like he needed to be on and entertaining and engaging. So I will do all the interviews whenever we do anything because he even says, he's like, you're the carnival barker. You're the cheerleader. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to do it. There are a few times where he's listened to interviews or podcasts after I've done them, just out of morbid curiosity. Mm-hmm. And he'll be like, you didn't talk about me much. <laughs> like a hurt girlfriend. And I'm just like, then come on with me and talk. He's like, no, he's like, you would just talk and I'd be quiet. But no, thank you for having me on the show. And thank you. 
for what you're doing. Uh, if people don't know in the Cincinnati area with the the movie exhibitions that you were doing at the Esquire Theater, one yes. of my favorite theaters that I grew up with. In we're both good friends with people at the Esquire. And yeah, we, we love them down there. Love it. I just love going there. Like uh, we when we showed All Your Friends Are Dead for our first two showings when it came out in August uh, 2022, we the 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 house that we saw then the theater room, mm-hmm. the same one that third Saturday in October. OK, was, that's where we were for our two different screenings before this last one. That is where I went and saw autofocus Paul Schrader's movie. OK, with my parents. <laughs> When I was in like eighth grade. And if you've seen that movie, it's a lot of sex. So it's the perfect movie to go see with, with your, your parents. parents yeah. Like 12 years old. Yeah. <laughs> that gives you a background of me and like what my parents let me watch. Like I had seen all the Elm Street movies by the time I was six. So that explains the movie now. Now I get it. I get it. So all, all your friends are dead. For those who don't know what it is, what is all your friends are dead? All Your Friends Are Dead is a micro, uh, I don't like to call it indie budget, because indie, the the real definition of an indie movie is anything $20 million or less. Anymore, yeah. <laughs> I think that is too big of a window, because <laughs> those people are not playing with $20 million or less. No, no. Micro budget, even to me, seems too broad, because I think micro budget is anything 300000 and less. We made a movie in 2020. 20 for $5,959 and Nicholas Hines and I uh, developed the story. Him and I are people that have been doing short films, um, a cable access sketch comedy show mm-hmm. when we were uh, first in college and um, doing little things back and forth throughout the years since we were like 17 years old, 18 years old and 2019, we were both talking about what we wanted to do creatively. I said, well, you know what? Honestly, people our age might be looking back now on their 20s or their early 30s, and they have regrets of things that they haven't accomplished yet. Or the societal pressures have gotten to some people of like, well, by this age, you should have this done, this done, and this done. And him and I just having a conversation bullshitting. I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't feel that way. I feel pretty secure in what I've done and I don't have any regrets. And he's like, yeah, me neither. And I was like, but you know what? If you ask me the same question 10 years from now, I would say if by in 10 years, I haven't tried and made a feature length movie, I would feel like that's something I would regret because the resources that we have now Mm -hmm. at our disposal, we should be able to do it. Just the, the, the age that we are and the passion that we have to want to do it. And as much as we armchair and Monday morning quarterback, other movies, I was like, we need to put our money where our mouth is our $5,959. And um, we developed the story, which first came from me having the title, all your friends are dead. I had written a couple treatments where I'd used that title and in, in various different ways. Mm. One of which blew my mind that um, when I watched fear street, Mm-hmm. Was that 1994? Is that the first one? Yes. Okay. That the kids that were marked had X's on them or whatever that only the killer could see mm-hmm. or the people could see who are marked. That was one of my treat- treatments that I had was that idea. And that was one of my uh, outlines that I had called all your friends are dead. It was someone who was going to be the final girl, not only 
realizes she's the final girl, she's the only one that can see the order of all of her friends that are going to be killed by the slasher. So then when I saw Fear Street, I'm like, oh, I was like, great. I was like, all right, they did it. I'm glad I didn't use all your friends are dead with that idea. If you Google all your friends are dead or all my, my friends are dead or there are a thousand different properties within like the yeah. last three years that have used that title. So it, I would say great minds think alike or a lot of hacky minds think alike. <laughs> but so what I had come up with, I was like, I think I want to use this title and here's the story idea that isn't any of the outlines that I had written. I was like, we're both indie movie fans. So like Nick and I both grew up on um, Richard Linklater, Robert, I mean him big time. Nick grew up big time. Robert Rodriguez. Like he was okay. the first person that told me about rebel without a crew. I mean, talk about micro gorilla filmmaking because i was more kevin smith and so i was like twenty seven thousand dollars you can make a movie and he's like no seven thousand dollars you can make a movie (laughs) with a lot of favors well and so that's what i say for all your friends are dead it was an under six thousand dollar movie with an over ten thousand dollar worth of favors okay because that's (laughs) that's just the nature of the beast people are doing way more for less pay or no pay or little very little pay maybe it's snacks but the story idea that I came up with was thinking about the indie movies that I grew up with in the nineties. And I only got to experience those because I have a brother who's five years older. So he would take me to the theaters and we would see things and he was going off to college. So he came home from college after his freshman year and he had um, two VHS tapes chasing Amy and dogma. And he was like this one dogma. He's like, I think you'll really like this one. I think you'll maybe like in a couple years. <laughs> And unbeknownst to me, uh, my brother ended up coming out the next year. And so Chasing Amy ended up making a lot more sense. And I fell in love with both both of them. That was my introduction to Kevin Smith. But a movie that Nick and I really liked from the, the 90s was From Dust Till Dawn. Because it was the Tarantino-Rodriguez peanut butter and chocolate combination. Mm-hmm. Where the first half of the movie feels like you're in a Tarantino movie. But then you find out you're in a Robert Rodriguez movie. So using that and us wanting to tell a story that was a little personal because we felt like that we could maybe make it a little bit more entertaining or earnest if it was something from us. I was like, well, what if someone that wasn't us was having this? Would we have do we have any regrets conversation? And what if it was a bizarre version of me? So in high school, I hurt my knee playing football. And even though I was always like one foot in theater, one foot in sports, um, which made when I got hurt, my transition much easier. I was like, but what if I didn't? What if I had been king shit of Turd Mountain in northern Kentucky and gone to college on a football scholarship and then got hurt then? Like, what would have happened? I maybe would have my family has a history of alcohol addiction. There is some drug addiction. I luckily didn't have that. I had food addiction, but I was like, what if I did seeped into that and then thought the best years of my life were high school. So then I kind of jotted down. I was like, well, what if the breakfast club turned into the big chill and went camping in a Friday, the 13th movie. So then we kind of get our, indie drama dramedy movie with like dust till dawn does and then we put it in a a slasher a camp slasher movie so that was the very long way of saying how we developed 
what the idea would be and then you get pen to paper for what the script would be for all your friends are dead and then once we decided we were doing it our special effects team uh were people that i had done short films with jason irvin uh cheyenne wright steve shrebus steve shrebus's daughter all awesome people they both both of those teams worked on my two short films call and racist and and with all your friends are dead like you know, you, you said you you've done some shorts and then you you developed this story. How did production for this basically micro budget movie? How how did everything go for you? Because I know sometimes in these micro budget films, I mean, you get some money and you can you film a couple weekends and then you gotta wait and maybe you get some more money, film some more weekends and like go from there. I'm a big fan of um Potion Back or Potion Back here, Phantasm. Um, so I was very familiar with the Don Coscarelli story of someone who had already made two decent movies and then still had no support for mm-hmm. Phantasm. And he had to just film on the weekends with a little bit here and there. Being aware of that, and like I said, the the knowledge of the 90s indie scene of having very little and doing what you can. Kevin Smith doing Clerks when the quick stop was closed. And we were really fortunate that we used a lot of favors and goodwill. And it is surprising how excited people get when you like someone you that knows you. So say you go to a hardware store or whatever, and they know you by name, like Brad. Oh yeah. Blah, blah, blah. You go in there and be like, I'm making a feature movie. Can we film here? More likely than not, they're going to be like a movie. Sure. We had some locations that we were going to use for the movie. And we just straight up asked and they were enamored with the idea that people that they knew were going to be attempting to make a feature film. So we got really lucky with that, but knowing that we had no money to start with, we were like, okay, let's treat this like a 48 hour film festival. Mm -hmm. Let's film the, uh, the bulk of the movie, which is the middle, the camping stuff, where it has the most amount of actors, the most amount of dialogue that happens. If we can get everybody on board and offer them a minimal payment for special effects and for the acting, we can film most of that, all of that in like four days. And then we can edit that and make a trailer and then put together like a Kickstarter and then get the rest of the funds to complete the movie and for post-production. And so that's what we did. We stupidly like a 48 hour <laughs> film festival, except for they're not making a 90 minute movie. We filmed 42 pages worth of dialogue in two days oh wow which you're not supposed to film more than like 10 pages yeah i mean i realized it myself like i said being the writer and co-director and and in the movie when matt will be my character is tied to the chair we had just taken a break for the day for lunch and then came back and when we came back i was so tired our script supervisor Chris Morris, who's also a producer, actor, plays the killer, plays another part. He's the one that gets his head shoved in the toilet that he built. He built that apparatus for the toilet scene. We were getting ready to get back, and I just got tied to the chair by our other producer, Mike Flincham, who I think was working out some of his aggression with how tight he tied me to the chair. Um, I was like, hey, can you bring the script over? And he was like, yeah. And I was looking at it, and I was like, yeah, I don't remember any of these lines. Uh, they were in my head. They they no longer are. I'm exhausted. So then when all the actors came back, I'm tied to the chair like this. And I'm like, hey, everybody, gather around. Um, so <laughs> the next scene, <laughs> the next scenes are about to shoot. You know, we guys are confronting Matt 
and questioning him and Greg's being a douche. I don't know these lines. So originally we were going to shoot a, a master wide, but what we're going to do is we're going to do wide single on the three of you who all know your lines and then just a one on me because Chris is going to tell me what my lines are before I say them. And this doesn't make good filmmaking. I'm just saying under the circumstances, that's what ended up happening. So you said with, you know, Kickstarter and writing and everything else, like once you finally production started about how long did it take you to, to do all your friends are dead? We did the, the camping stuff, uh, special effects and all the dialogue took about four days, maybe like three and a half. Um, and then after we put together the Kickstarter, I would say our final scene that we did was the get killed in the movie credit sequence with the podcasting couple. We filmed that in December. I think cumulatively, we maybe filmed like 25 days. Okay. Which isn't bad, just from July to about December. And then you roll into post-production of editing, mixing, all that fun stuff. I would be the first to say our audio is trash. And that's not from the mixer, Braden Firebrand. He did his best possible. My One of my biggest, uh, to mention regrets, regrets of All Your Friends Are Dead is not being smart enough until when we were editing and then when Braden was doing the mixing that um, Greg mentions about having a private jet. One mm-hmm. of the issues we had with the audio was where we were filming out in Chris Morris's farmland was we're kind of by yeah, Lunkin some, Airport. Uh, plane sounds. I I I I immediately picked up on those. <laughs> a lot of plane sounds. You can really tell uh, how how low or no budget a movie is based on the audio, <laughs> and we did too. You heard more plane sounds than actually existed because when you're editing a movie together, you don't have consistent background noises. Yeah. So Braden had to go, had to reach out to Nick and I. I was like, he's like, hey, the only way I can kind of make this work is if I add more planes. Yeah. Because if you cut it, it's going to, you're going to have these jumps. Yep. You a hundred percent. I will tell you when I was watching the movie and I heard the plane, I listened, I sat there and I'm like, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to see if I could hear cuts and you couldn't, I couldn't hear them. So he did a fantastic job with bad audio. <laughs> uh, that is on us. There is bad ADR throughout the movie, which if, if you're like, Oh, I didn't notice it. Yeah. That'd be uh, right. I mean, there's, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm definitely hypersensitive to it, but there is bad ADR in there. But the my biggest regret is after watching it numerous times for the edit, how while we were making it or how did we not even I guess even in the editing, this is even a, a, a latter regret. Did we not add a line saying and yeah, you can hear Greg's private jet flying above us circling. Oh, yeah. Huh? Like waiting for him to call him <laughs> down to come pick up yeah. him up. <laughs> like just incorporate it yeah just i mean because we weren't going to make the audio better because we just didn't have the ability at the time well you know it's always you learn something and it that you take to the next one and what we've learned and taken to the next one is pay for proper audio <laughs> on set recording people because that is money you have to spend and like you said you you got to play it at the esquire a few times you've gotten mm-hmm. released did you have a uh, a physical release like blu-ray dvd we did for our kickstarter we did a limited edition blu-ray run that we put together one of the things we offered was that if you got that blu-ray via the kickstarter 
you were going to get a commentary track that would only exist on this. So if you didn't get that, you weren't going to ever get that commentary track on anything else, but if we got distributed or whatever. So Nick Hyance and I, again, I mentioned before, uh, Nick doesn't like really being public and like talking <laughs> a lot. So like this, having him and I, and he does talk, he's not a clam like the whole time. Him and I are talking about the process and whatnot mm-hmm. in depth. So commentary track for that, that Blu-ray. We were lucky enough that we got distributed by SRS Cinema, which I'm always being asked, when is it going to be streaming? Uh, not always. Not like fucking everybody's like. <laughs> Every day, just walking um, on the street. Everybody, yeah, it. people are just like, oh my God, Rick Lewis, sorry if all your friends are dead. Um, <laughs> and SRS distributed it, and it should be on streaming at least by October of this year. And what platform? I don't know. Okay. Probably like that was going to be in that, my next question. So, <laughs> yeah, probably a Tubi or something. But what he's already done is they put together a beautiful limited edition, a small batch run of a Blu ray. My favorite thing is our Joe Bob Briggs rating of three stars. Um, we didn't get a four out of four because we didn't have titties in the movie. Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> Another lesson yeah. learned. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then this one. So if you got both the Blu-rays, you get me and Nick commentary. On this one, you get me, Chris Morris, and Mike Flincham uh, commentary. And the differences are... To drink, Ricky, don't remember the second half of the commentary, Ricky, <laughs> because the Mexican mules. So Nick was off mic uh, record doing the recording for this. And he's like, I'm gonna let you guys do it. At one point, he stopped refilling my drink with alcohol and just with diet ginger beer because he is like, I heard you slipping a little bit. So <laughs> I've not listened to this yet. And I'm not much of a drinker. So. I can only imagine this is a lot of fun. Now, how how was the release for you? I mean, getting to screen it, Blu-rays and commentaries, and like, how has everything gone for it for you? Without any uh, narcissism. I mean, with a little bit of n- narcissism. I love it. It's a dream come true. Screening a movie at the Esquire. I'm not someone that likes necessarily likes watching myself. Mm-hmm. Contrary to starring in it and then also going to be starring in sweet meats contrary to that that is necessity 100 percent necessity we tried crowdfunding the movie we wanted to make that we would have been filming right now called open house that didn't get to happen and one of the things was i wasn't going to be in that movie i did just legit want to direct and be behind mm-hmm. the monitor and do all the things that one person should put their attention towards yeah because of the money you need for that we couldn't afford that. So out of necessity, I have to be in the next thing for cost reasons to get it to happen for all your friends are dead, man, seeing that on the large screen, the first time at the Esquire with a room full of incredibly supportive people. First thing that happened was the movie played off more of a comedy in a good way than either Nick or I were expecting. There were things that got big laughs that we were like, Oh, huh? I didn't, I didn't think that would necessarily get a laugh there. And then we were like, well, you know, it's people who we all know. It was like casting crew invite family and friends. This is the best possible way this movie's ever going to play. It's never going to play like this again. And then the next week we had to open to the public. So I think like 60 were there for okay. our second screening. And it was mostly people. We had no idea who they were. They laughed at the exact same times. And that was so gratifying to be like, oh, my God. The people who are seeing this have give zero fucks who we are. 
and like don't know us mm-hmm. do, are not trying to spare our feelings they don't know who we are in the the movie house because i had lost 140 pounds since being in the movie mm-hmm. and so i forgot that until i told people that i was in the movie that they didn't recognize that i was matt Wilby in the movie and at that time i had a much smaller beard i'm growing this out for the next movie and my wife is like why do your characters in your movies have to look like they're homeless? <laughs> so speaking of, you're rolling into the next movie, Sweet Meats, which is deep in uh, Indiegogo right now. Yeah, it is deep in many ways. And uh, <laughs> Open House, which we were set, uh, we shot the teaser, cast, crew, everything, locations, everything was good to go for that. But it was uh, a movie we put up on Kickstarter for a minimum goal of $15,000. Okay. That's the bare minimum that it would have taken to have made that movie, which was a horror musical comedy. So when we did All Your Friends Are Dead, when we first put it out to festivals and stuff, the reactions we got, which I mean, I guess this could include me into the screenings, horror festivals, uh, we would get rejection notices and they would say, yeah, your movie's more of a comedy. And I'd just be like, huh. And they're like, there isn't horror until about the 40 minute mark. I'm like, well, that's when there's a kill. But I was like, I think it's pretty, I don't know, like just the story of Matt and like how sad and everything. But I was like, all right, maybe, maybe it's more of a dramedy or maybe a dark comedy. I was like, okay. But so I thought, okay, for our next movie, let's put it on front street. We know what we're doing. We're going to lean into the dark comedy Mm -hmm. and there's music. Even though it's diegetic, it happens in the scenes that's that are happening it's not like grease it's not they don't break out into music okay it, okay but it is a musical and so we advertised it that way and we got a lot of great traction rue morgue picked up our article uh dread central bloody disgusting roger avery reposted about it and said this this is i don't do this often but this movie looks awesome edgar wright retweeted about it mike flanagan who gave mike flanagan who gave to all your friends are dead he he funded part of all your friends are dead reposted about us. And we just had a lot of positive influence makers support it, but we saw zero of that in our support on Kickstarter. Okay. And we just weren't going to reach our budget. And it got to the point where I'm like, well, this isn't going to happen. And we're getting ready to start spend money, more money on the movie. And we're starting, to spend people's time with like rehearsals Mm. and stuff. I was like, I hate to do this, but I was like, we have to pull the plug. It's just not going to happen. And I don't want to have to refund the people who are giving to Kickstarter their money because it was an all or nothing campaign. So that wasn't going to happen anyway. And me being who I am, I didn't just want to turn to another project immediately that I didn't believe in, but I also didn't kind of want to get rid of like these locations and a lot of the things that were already solid that weren't going to really cost us that much money. While we were writing Open House, fortunately, there's a piece within the universe of Open House, this restaurant called Sweet Meats, which is like a fast food. Our own, like Red Apple is Quentin Tarantino cigarettes. Sweet Meats was our kind of universe fast food restaurant or like Big Kahuna Burger. Yeah. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Or nails, yeah. nail cigarettes from uh, Kevin Smith movies. It existed in Open House and there's a story element that is very thin that they keep you keep seeing commercials and stuff about sweet meats and via the characters there was some plots that um were kind of in the background so when we were working on the script for that i was like you know what i kind of have this sequel prequel idea 
that focuses more on the restaurant sweet meats that takes place in 1978. If open house happens, I would love to do sweet meats where open house, the musical aspect was Broadway musical where sweet meats it's country music. But I was like, Oh, if we are, and that, then when open house didn't work, I was like, so it uses a lot of the same locations that open house is going to use. So we can probably make this. It's a smaller movie. So we budget would be maybe between six and $8,000. I was like, I think we can make that. The restaurant, instead of filming two days, we'll have to film eight days if they'll let us. So I started seeing if we could get that going. Nick and I talked. I was like, well, here's the first thing we're going to do. We're not going to advertise this motherfucker as a dark comedy musical because that's what killed us with Open House. We're going to say that this is just a horror movie. And it's about people who get cooked into food and it gets served. Everything else that exist in the movie will be a surprise. The dark humor. <laughs> well, well, the dark humor, like not, not saying I'm trying to beat and switch. No, no, yeah, yeah. The thing I thought of was in one of our production meetings was Sam Raimi, when he makes a horror movie, never calls, he didn't call, um, drag me to hell when he was promoting it, a horror comedy. So when you saw the trailer, unless like, if you knew who Sam Raimi was, mm-hmm. you saw a new movie written directed by Sam Raimi. And you're like, Oh, I know what he does. I bet you there's some humor there. And you saw the movie and you're like, yep, he did what I liked. But to most people, even though Sam Raimi is a big name, they saw a badass horror movie trailer and were like, oh man, I don't know who this is behind it, but I'm going to go see it. They went and saw it and they had a good time without even having to have that correlation of what he does with the genre. So I'm like, oh, we don't have a big enough name. For that to be Sam Raimi, who has a big name, doesn't even use that as a marketing tool. It's just if you know who he is, you kind of know what flavor of ice cream you're going to get. Right now, I mean, you you have your indigo for sweet meats going. And I just looked. You've made your goal. So happy. It was so devastating telling people on the open house crew in production, even though a lot of people were able to pivot to sweet meats, that that wasn't happening. And then immediately, it seems like it's going too well, which has me a little trepidatious. I'm waiting for a shoe to drop. But like when we started putting out there what Sweet Meats was going to be, I'm not mentioning the, the the musical or the dark humor, it started getting a lot of interest. And having it be kind of a 70s in the style of like Motel Hell meets Roger Corman's Little Shop of Horrors. That said enough without saying too much. And it seems like people got really excited about the vibe of that. Mm -hmm. But like Lloyd Kaufman, you know, is very much made movies in the vein of like a Roger Corman. I reached out to him and I was like, hey, is there any chance you I have this cameo, this part idea for you in the movie? Uh, Would you want to do it? And would you be interested in supporting the movie? And he's like, yeah, send me over the script and we'll see. And I was like, oh, well, he probably gets a bunch of these and he's nice and just like, yeah, send yeah, it yeah. over. Pretty quickly came back and was like, yeah, I'll, I'll make a support video for you. What do you want? And he's like, and I'll be in the movie. And I was like, oh, awesome. That tickles me to no end being such a, uh, a big trauma fan and growing up with like Mother's Day and Graduation Day, all the day movies are toxic, toxic Avenger. Tromeo and Juliet, where, you know, James Gunn got mm-hmm. his start. So just the pedigree of all that. Um tickles me and then it just seems like the vibe and kind of movie we're going towards does have people interested and it's unique enough 
that it will get enough interest for us to have a six thousand to eight thousand dollar budget or between six and ten now. What we were just saying before about Joe Bob Briggs not giving us four out, not him personally, but the review, his review site, not getting four out of four stars because we didn't have boobs. That there's plenty of other uh, micro budget filmmakers that are making those movies. Those aren't the movies that we necessarily want to make. No judgment on those. I will watch those. I'll be happy to watch those. Ours are a little quirkier. I mean, as you watched All Your Friends Are Dead, did you even get the inclination at any point you were going to see boobs in that movie? No, not at all. I don't know. Me as a director, and I'm not saying I wouldn't ever, because um, the teaser we filmed for Sweet Meats definitely leans into the porn vibe. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and like, <laughs> I just wanted to use that as a misdirect for then when you, in a spoiler if you haven't seen the teaser, to when you see Meat Grinder Dick. Like, I just wanted you to be like, oh, these girls are clearly not in a in a in a freezer <laughs> or in a butcher's freezer. This is a murder room or this is a porn set where in the 70s or they're saying you're like, oh, I've never been in a restaurant's freezer. Yeah, because you're not. You are in someone's garage with black garbage bag hanging <laughs> and fog in a can like you are going to get murdered. Like, so I just wanted to really use satire to our ability of those cheaply made porn movies of like the late seventies with also like a no budget horror movie and then just lean into the weird and just be like, this isn't what the movie is going to be. This is just giving you the Baskin Robbins, a little bit of like that tiny pink spoon just to get a little taste of like, elements that are going to be what sweet meats is what's your plan for like production 2024 i'm assuming hoping to get it out kind of thing right or is it yeah i'm i'm kind of, we're kind of hoping that it's going to be a similar release uh that all your friends are dead was where we filmed it like summer fall of 2021 released it summer uh released it fall 2022 so filming it at the end of september with I already know we have a couple shootings uh, happening in October. Have it done hopefully by like say February, March one Avenue. We're going to try a little differently and who knows if it will work. Festivals are very expensive Mm -hmm. and we are, we were new kids on the block with all your friends are dead and we're lucky to get into the happy to and lucky to get in the ones we got into weirdly way more successful in Eastern Europe, like in Austria and Germany where I would get messages on Twitter, like in my DMS, of just being like, hey, just saw your film at a horror Austrian horror film festival. Um, loved it. And I wrote them. I was like, thank you so much. How did the humor play? And they were like, oh, we thought it was hilarious. Well, okay. Yeah, that was hard. Like in the States with the dark humor, I think played really well there. Um, we are going to try to be a little bit more selective with the festivals we submit to. And what I've been working on is making more context with some horror conventions. Mm-hmm. And try to go that route and do more four walling where we take it to smaller theater houses like the Esquire okay, and take it ourselves. So make it like an event night or like meet the filmmakers. And so we can talk and hopefully do more of like a ground roots because that's who we are as fans of these things. Like I was saying about coming and seeing the third Saturday mm-hmm. in October. And so I think that will be not more successful but more fulfilling to us so we can actually be with audiences as they get interested in it. We could build a little bit of a a grassroots fan group 
And then maybe if we get enough adulation from that, maybe then there will be some festivals who will be interested and will be happy to submit. But man, I think we spent close to $2,000 in festival submissions for All Your Friends Are Dead. That's a little hard to swallow when that's about a third of the budget. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you, Ricky, for for talking to me. I mean, we had we had quite the chat, and it was a, it was nice to get like that dive into the. I always love the dive into the indie filmmaking of like mm-hmm. everybody's story is kind of similar in a way in the independent world, but you know, mm-hmm. you have your different things that that you've learned along the way, and I, I love I love hearing those stories. Just for me, I want to put you on the spot of. What was your favorite and what was your least favorite thing about All Your Friends Are Dead? And the least favorite cannot be like a compliment sandwich. Like, I hated it, but I loved it because I hated it. <laughs> I, I loved everything you did, but I hated all the other actors. Smart answer. <laughs> well, that's my, my one brother. He's like, wow. He's like, you really played a depressive uh, addict really well. And I'm like, it's, it was easy when I was so tired and exhausted that I had to play like a voided person on camera. And I'm like, but for this next one, I don't have that luxury. So I'm going to have to actually probably act a little bit more. Well, I I mean, I I will jump on that and say, I thought you played that part very well, where you you believe that you were the rundown, beaten down, just, you know what? Whatever happens, happens. And I, I hated the airplanes. Too many. Too many airplanes. <laughs> See, you're just <laughs> telling me what I want to hear. Well, I'll, I'll have links for everything for people to go check out the Indiegogo. They can watch the, the teaser trailer and everything. Good luck with Sweet Meats. I hope everything works out, you know, runs smoothly for you. Well, you're in Cincinnati area, right? Oh, yeah. 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 So you're going to be an extra in Sweet Meats. Okay. I'll come out. You just let you let me know when and where and I'll be there. 100%. Thank you again, Ricky, for talking to me. And can't wait to uh, to see Sweet Meats at the Esquire sometime. It will be. I want to thank Ricky again for talking to me. Go check out their campaign for Sweet Meats. I will have a link in the description. Can't wait to see the next film, see what they do. Go search out All Your Friends Are Dead. I definitely recommend checking that one out. Well, we've come to the end. Thank you for listening to another episode of Old Man Brad. I will be back soon with some more episodes or Tubi watches or something. You just have to wait and see. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss them. But I will talk to you later. We'll see ya.